Welcome everyone to Renegade Gamer Radio. Uh, this is a special episode we have with us tonight. Uh, CJ. Hello. We also have Dr. Estrella. Howdy. And Keys. Hello. Uh, this week, we have uh, we've done a lot in the past. Oh, I guess it's been about a week and a half now, huh? Uh, we have sort of split the CPR server into two pieces, kind of, sort of. We welcomed the West Marches D&D campaign group in, and uh, that's going to be kicked off this weekend, which I am super excited about. <laughs> uh, let's see. We have our first game. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that noon tomorrow or is that midnight? Uh, noon tomorrow. Noon tomorrow. Perfect. I started to sign up for the 8 p.m. one, and I'm like, I don't know, that's kind of late for me. I'm going to be dragging. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the other one says midnight, and I'm like... And then I went back after I had uh, said that I'd tentatively be there for the the 8 p.m. one. I'm like, wait a minute, that says p.m. That's noon. <laughs> so I, I put in for that, and I'm like, I hope that's noon. <laughs> yeah, we had talked about it, because I was like, Lumi, I don't know if he can hang at 8 p.m. That's like his bedtime, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just this week. Last week I was up much later. I was up to like ten. <laughs> Ooh. Um, let's see. I'm actually I just pulled up my character sheet and I'm reading through that and I'm down in the uh meeting hall typing up my introduction. I think it's like six paragraphs at this point, so I'm trying to like okay, too long, cut it back. Uh Alright. So just real quick, you guys want to give us like the 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 uh, primer, like uh, the the background, the story behind the Mar- Maripool, right? Yeah, Maripool. Um, well, the the basic notion is that uh, with any kind of West Marches game, it's a lot about. Uh, uh, I guess I should back up a little bit. West Marches is a, a style of um, campaign. Uh, tabletop roleplay game uh, campaign where uh, it really focuses on uh, exploration uh, and uh, their story as well, but um, exploration and sort of going out and uh, discovering new things and what is out there in the wide world um, really takes forefront. And so um, it doesn't have to be fantasy. It doesn't have to be D&D. But um, that's what we're doing is uh, a D&D 5th uh, edition uh, game. And it centers around uh, a town that, uh, called Maria Pool. that was, for whatever reason, plucked from its normal place in the world and dropped in an entirely different uh, world, basically. So um, nobody quite knows why it happened or how it happened, but... Um, the notion is that they're all kind of left scratching their heads, everybody in town, like, okay, what's this all about? Um, and so that's sort of been our um, our take, uh, story-wise, at least for the initial setup on um, this particular implementation of West Marches. Gotcha. Now, I, I do, I'm curious, I know that both you two, Dr. Estrella and Keys, are you guys are both the mods. You guys kind of created the 
the entire campaign. Um, is there any chance you guys will actually be playing with us instead of just DMing? Um, I would like to think that there's a chance of that. <laughs> <laughs> there's a chance. It's it's one of those things um, where, depending on if we can get more DMs in, that's kind of like the crux of it. Because with just two of us, we'd be playing in each other's games, and that also limits what free time we have to run games. So once we get more people interested and more DMs that would step forward to run games, then that would make it more likely. Gotcha. Now, I know that Emma, Emma Tay has, has, uh, she's done a couple of one shots. I was actually, I participated in one. Was that a week ago? It feels like it was longer. Yeah, it was last week. Last week. And that was my first time. Week. Yeah, it was been a very long <laughs> week. That was my first time ever playing a D and D game. So it was very exciting and a lot of learning and, um, I'm still I've still got a long ways to go. She had me play as just like a generic fighter. Uh it, it was fun. There was all sorts of craziness that happened. And uh I, I'd say probably my favorite thing was is we came across this uh Twilight Lake terror and uh it grappled CJ. He was in his direwolf form and it grabbed him and he looked it was like two or three turns and he could not get out of the thing's grasp. So I grab my handbook up and I flip through it and I'm like, I read about this. Hold on. <laughs> and, uh, I found the, the bit about grappling and it says that anything that's a size larger than you, you can potentially grapple. So I, I asked Emma, I'm like, well, how big is this? Because I, I have no idea. And she said, well, it's large. Well, I'm like, okay, well, my character's medium, so that is technically one size larger. So I'm like, you know what? By golly, I'm going to try to grapple this thing. And they're all like, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm gonna try it. Yeah, and uh, I rolled a twenty. <laughs> so that was pretty. Uh, that was my first first twenty that I rolled. It was pretty cool. And they all kind of like shrugged and smiled, like, "What the heck?" He, okay. Um, and then I was gonna use action action surge to attack it afterwards. And Emma's like, "Well, you're still holding it. Do you want to let go and attack it?" I'm like, well, "No, not really." So. Uh, like my my plan was on dragging this thing over to this this pedestal where we could kind of put it into a, a hibernation status or whatever, and um, yeah, it ended up that actually it was keys. You uh, used a magic arrow that we found to petrify um, petrify it, and well, I mean it killed it at the same time, but it did petrify it. And you, were, <laughs> they don't know that, so right, yes, still it, we won't. We won't uh, maybe they won't listen to this. But our con- the people that contracted us to make the area safe and to not break break as few things as possible. Um, Keys was quick on his feet and was like, "Well, hey, you you can still drag this thing, right?" I'm like, "Well, yeah." So we I drug the thing and we put it on a pedestal and you know turn the pedestal on so it's in this hibernation form. I guess it kind of uh, ragdolled like some of the animals in Ark when you kill them, so it, like. Stretched out and did all some funny, weird, nasty-looking stuff. Unnatural-looking, but we figured, they they didn't know what it looked like in the first place, so... <laughs> uh, Sam, we got paid extra because there were technically three things that we managed to get back on pedestals. Sort of. Keys, <laughs> Dr. Estrella, that, that uh, Lumi makes a good point. With that uh, one shot, it was uh, um, one shot that Emetai found, and the uh, creatures we were fighting were just 
made up from the person who made that uh, one shot. Um, our uh, Westmar, now this is my first time doing something like Westmar, because I play every Saturday night with Keys as our DM, uh, a group of uh, four of uh, four others in Keys, so five of total. We do a Saturday night campaign where it's, uh, I feel it was very different, the situation of uh, amortized one-shots versus a full campaign. Um, but uh, the creatures that we'll be seeing in your uh, uh, West Marchers thing, are they going to be more what you're used to seeing in a regular D&D campaign, or are they going to be more made up like what we saw in uh, Amatai's, uh one-shot? Well, I I will say that the the author of the one shot uh was absolutely delightful not only in terms of the artwork but uh the setup for the entire thing was simple and to the point and and uh nicely packaged and the design for the custom monsters was um uh just just a delight just an absolute delight um without giving too much away for people who might play it there's a the something akin to an elephant but it's mechanical uh, and has sort of a musical nature to it and i thought it was absolutely wonderful um so uh that said um as far as i'm concerned uh what what i'm intending to bring to the table um is is a bit of a mix so there will be some things that so you'll you'll you would definitely recognize if you're familiar with, if you're familiar with the monster manual or D&D lore more broadly, and there'll be some things that will not conform to that, mostly to kind of keep people on their toes um, and keep it from being a little too stale. That makes sense. Yeah, I think there's a very good approach. I don't know. No, I think there's a space in the world for both sets. So the idea is that there's like specific locations that we have ideas of what kind of things would be in that location, but as far as like building things out it could be kind of whatever whoever's running wants to put in that location so there's stuff that fits in the world better but there's always room for like weird stuff or like super creepy stuff or um you know sometimes it's fun to have just like generic fantasy tropes but sometimes it's also cool if you go like deep underground finding some weird you know uh spider cult or something um so there's definitely uh room for both both yeah okay and am i right in my thought process just from hearing this uh about the west marshes from you guys and uh just the talk in our discord um this isn't going to be as much story driven as more uh group uh will get together arrange the, a time with the whatever dm is available and then it'll be just an adventure it won't be so much story and uh character building but more just going out and adventuring and finding different things in in this world correct i don't think those two are mutually exclusive um by any stretch so um in when i've run uh, most D D games that i've run and amitai attest to this because she's played in a few of them. Um, they tend to be deeply player-driven affairs that um, are generally pretty role-play heavy and get into 
not necessarily politics, but lots of um, lots of interesting um, and I like to think at least uh, uh, relatively heavy moral choices. Um, you know, do, do we save the orphanage or do we save the you know ship that's drowning out in the ocean or whatever that kind of thing? Um, and I'm and I'm not sure in terms of the West marches that that's necessarily mutually exclusive. Now the 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 way that we would approach, the, or at least I'm intending to approach, the delivery of the story is is quite different. Um, it, the story will come in in a in a different uh, way, if that makes sense. Um, so uh, I love urban campaigns, for instance, um, and this is very much not going to be an urban campaign. It's not going to be okay. Well, the artificer needs you to you know find some stuff. It, it's not. Not not royal house politics, right? Um, so, uh, yes to both, um, but they're, they're definitely be ready for both. At least in what I, in terms of what I intend to bring with it. So, just to give you some context, like in our game, you guys have the exact same party, the same, um, like you guys have been on the same quest for the past, like six months now yeah so um so it's kind of like the difference is that there are overarching quests and there are like hints and clues and stuff that you can find within the world itself but it's more like uh you're putting a group together and it could be the same group every time but the magic is like it doesn't have to be so um as far as like story goes like stuff will come up but it's not necessarily like hey here's my 10 page backstory. I mean, I wrote that too, but I like, here's my 10 page backstory about the kingdom I'm, you know, at odds with for some unknown reason. Um, so that kind of stuff kind of gets lost in the, in the realm of West marches to begin with, but also just how we set up where this town got transported here. And then like your ties to the old world are essentially cut off. So you're kind of relying on each other. Um, and then the adventures and the stories that come out of that are uh, can be linked together, but they could also be, you know, we kind of treat everything as like a one shot, but it could be picked up back up later. And that's kind of the difference right. between West Marches and then our game that we've been running in right now. Okay. I'm just, I'm very excited for this. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be definitely fun. Yeah. Yeah. I got in and uh, Dr. Estrella helped me get my character set up. And uh, we're using Foundry VTT. Uh, I know there was a lot of discussion early on. Not so much discussion, but people were kind of asking, well, hey, I've used like Roll, is it Roll 20? Roll 20. 20. Yep. That's the, that's the big free one right uh, out there. That's not as good. <laughs> yeah. I've heard people refer to that. I think there was another one that people have talked about. And then uh, I know specifically with uh, Cricket, he was asking questions about um, like what what uh, rule set are you guys using? You guys used a bunch of words I didn't know existed, and I still don't <laughs> quite understand. Uh, it's a deep know, dark he, hole once you get started. Yeah, it's a very deep rabbit hole. <laughs> well, I'm uh, very good with rabbit holes, so. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, there was a lot of discussion on some very technical stuff, and then you know, again, you get questions that are more general. That I understand all the words, like 
are you guys creating your own creatures and and et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, I'm just excited because uh, the character that I made is actually, I did base him off a lot of my own physical, uh, not physical, but like my own, my personality and, uh, you know, whatever, like his backstory and some of the little, little details I've added in. Yeah, so I think you touched on something uh, that comes up a lot in D&D games is like when people make characters, there's two ways about it. They want to play either a fantastic version of themselves or they want to play something completely off the wall that they not themselves. Right. Or like some they take some part of themselves and then just like take that to the extreme like and then so it's a it's a fairly uh common style to be like okay i want to be myself but like heroic and put myself in this world i I made him pretty much as close and as accurate to me as a half elf would be (laughs) (laughs) i I mean even his stats rolled out pretty uh you know he's not super strong he's not amazingly dexterous i mean he's pretty average across the board he is a little more charismatic which is definitely not it's odd because you know, we're going through the, uh, oh gosh, what is it where you, you it asks you questions, or it offers you questions that, that uh, help describe your your background? Oh, your, no, your background, yeah. Uh, and one of the things that I chose was that I'm not very good in social situations, which is very true in real life. I, I clam up, tend to shut down. Within CPR, I'm a different person. I'm more open, and, you know, this is kind of like, it's my house, my fam- my friends and family, so it's different. But uh, yeah, real life, I am socially, I am extremely awkward. So him having high charisma is very different. <laughs> but <laughs> that's his main stats, what he needs as a sorcerer. So and you got to think, uh, though, that it's just human nature. Uh, that even if you built, like, I know the character I built for this, uh, West Marsh, is, is built not to be anything uh, like me. It's a hothead uh, dwarf a barbarian and uh, uh, who's going to react before he thinks. And that's not me. I'm very, like, I think about everything and I, I, I'm, I don't know if you know the colors of the rainbow. I'm a very green and blue personality. So this react without thinking it through, it's going to be interesting to see how it works for me because it's not my personality. You got to think anybody playing a character in D&D, their personality is somehow going to pour it, at least partially into their character. Right. It's, I, th- I think it's just human nature. Right, yeah. I mean, you, it gives you a really good appreciation for actors because, you know, actors and actresses, they change literally everything, even sometimes phys- physical, you know, traits, they change to to become somebody that they aren't. It's really good, kind of gives you a, a good appreciation for what they do because i i am very interested to see how you do playing a hothead frankly <laughs> it's gonna be very fun i'm looking forward to it yeah some of my fondest memories of not necessarily D, but of tabletop roleplay games um come from playing with uh theater majors in in a university setting um really? just the the embodiment of the character that they would bring to the table that um, I certainly had not experienced up to that point. Um, really 
it, it definitely shaped the way I thought about roleplay games and sort of the 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 power of it as as a tool um, for any given purpose. Um, but right, I understand. That's like when I first started listening to books on Audible. That, uh, frankly, that changed things for me in a way that I had never. I was an avid reader all through middle school and high school. I've read hundreds and hundreds of books. I was just, that's what I did. I didn't, I was like, again, I'm, I'm very socially awkward in real life. So books for my, my getaway, you know, people would chit chat and talk and, you know, tease one another and whatever. Meanwhile, I sat quietly and read, uh, but in my mind, it was more of a, I, I enacted the events the people, the actual characters in the book, I just kind of glossed over definitions and descriptions and whatever, names. It was not a big deal. It was just like a, people were more like silhouettes in my mind. They were minor. I, I kind of blotted them out. It was more of a what was happening overall, how these people thought and reacted to stuff was was what I focused on. So when I got into Audible and these voice actors started doing different voices for different characters, it blew my mind. It literally altered how I how I look at books. It changed things. I mean, it's just it really added a depth that I had not heard or seen before. I didn't haven't hadn't even conceived of. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing here with the with the D and D because you know you impose something that's a piece of yourself onto these characters, or you make these characters total opposites, and you try to act out how they would. Respond. It really puts you into a different, a different thought process. It's just really unique. It's really, really cool. And I, I've only played the one one shot, and I sort of tried to play up the soldier role that the guy had. His little bit of background didn't really have a clue, but you know, whatever I thought could get people to kind of chuckle a little bit. <laughs> so basically, what I was doing. Uh, I mean, it's it's really, really cool. I I, I haven't even done more than just that one one shot, but. Going through the process of creating this character, I worked on this guy for like two weeks. Keys, you helped me quite a bit. Um, I, it really there's a depth to D and D, I frankly did not expect. Yeah, yeah, there, there, there absolutely is, um, and um, I think it's we're just now in terms of American culture, um kind of coming to terms with that idea. I, I think we're just now catching up to where where we probably should have been 20 years ago, frankly, um, uh, in terms of that. I think we've got a lot of satanic panic to thank for that delay, but that's a different soapbox entirely. Um, but uh, the the notion that, you know, this this is a, you know, worthwhile hobby that, can be rewarding and it can be a tool for positive change and people can learn from it and grow from it and um, uh, use it in a therapeutic way. Um, these are all, um, all absolutely um, spot on ideas that are, I feel like are just now starting to creep their way into sort of the, the broader zeitgeist um, outside of, People who've been doing this for years um, and kind of already knew it. Right. Yeah. I think streaming has helped uh, a lot with getting more and more people involved with D&D as well, right? Like, 
you know, the critical role cast, which are a bunch of voice actors um, who do their um, stream every Thursday nights and turn it into a podcast or what have you. And that's actually what got me uh, in more interested. I was always interested in Dungeons and Dragons, but just as a, oh, maybe one day I'll get around to it. But then I started watching Critical Role and it's like, they really got me hooked in in the idea. And uh, obviously <laughs> none of us are like th th them with their voice acting uh, skills and uh, Matthew Mercer with his uh, million voices for all the different characters he uh, or monsters he has to be. I think he does a different voice for each one, but um, I can tell you, I would will never play a different voice. It's going to be what you're hearing now is what you'll hear as my character, no matter whether I'm a dwarf, an elf, or a human. So, but <laughs> it really got me interested uh, in D and D, and that got me pestering Keys quite a bit to say, "Hey, want to run a campaign?" Because I I knew that he um, DM'd some of some campaigns for Emetai, so I started pestering on Emetai's Discord. <laughs> for keys to to run a campaign and we got enough and uh enough interest to get a, a group together to do that which has been uh, a great experience for me and got me you, more excited you you lucked out that's kind of my sore spot is new people that want to play and that's how our me and emetize in-person game uh started was because we had a co-worker that was like man i really want to play have you heard about this thing and i was like well Yes. <laughs> so then that whole group started because he was interested in playing. And I was like, well, he's never played before. And we ended up with uh, uh, two people who had never played before. One, uh, Ektar had played in college. And then Emma, uh, she had played before. And then one other person that had played like twice. Um, so we had a really good mixed group of new people. And then... Uh, you know, people who had played a lot, and then some that were somewhere in between. So it was a really good mix. Um, but yeah, you you hit my weak spot of like, hey, I've never played. I want to try it out. And I'm like, ah, all right. Well, my favorite <laughs> adventures are usually lower level, like between one and ten. Um, gotcha. And that's that's kind of my sweet spot, and also like my favorite because, uh, yeah, that's my preference. Yeah. It, it, well, it's been fun and it's uh, really made me realize how much I actually picked up of the game just from listening to Critical Role because there was a lot of times where there's debates. I'm like, well, uh, <laughs> uh, no, this is the way I think it is because that's how I saw it on Critical Role. And <laughs> correct, we we checked the book or whatever and it was exactly <laughs> what it was. So it was uh, kind of cool to see that, hey, maybe I'm not so um, dumb at the game because... I've been paid attention to the critical role and got into it, but it's been great uh, doing that. And I'm looking forward to um, this uh, West March. Now I keep on wanting to say marshes, but it's not marshes. It's March as in like marching in a band, right? Yes. Yeah. March as yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe for somebody who's listening and it's like, what is all this talk about West marches? Uh, can you, uh, I know you kind of gave a little bit of uh, the background story of how the, but how is, and, I, and you've also posted, so anybody who is wanting to know how to get in, uh, in the town crier, uh, Keys has posted um, the links to World Anvil, which is where we're going to be uh, keeping our notes or high level notes, I guess, 
uh, there's a player primer and an FAQ. But just for those listening who really want to get uh, just a quick idea, could you just give like a Cliff's Notes version of maybe the player primer and FAQ just to let those listening know uh, a how they can get started with this and what they need to do? I'll let you feel that one, Keith. <laughs> okay, so uh, the West Marches was a type of campaign that was created by Ben Robbins. Um, he made games like uh, Kingdom and Microscope. Um, and basically it came from a blog post about how he had so many players, but only X amount of time. Um, and instead of playing with the same people, um, he basically made a roster of players and was like, hey, you guys group up whenever you guys want to play and I'm available. We'll sit down, we'll play together, and then you'll always start and end back at town. And then that's like uh, where it started and then just kind of grew from there. Um, and it was also had a lot of, uh, lot of uh, background in how the old school D&D days used to be uh, where you would take your character and play under different DMs. Um, so uh, that's kind of the background of what West Marches is, is you have an entire player roster and a DM roster. And anytime you want to get a group together, it doesn't have to be the same people. It doesn't have to be the same DM. Um, you get a group that wants to investigate something. You say, Hey, I want to go investigate in the mountains over there. Um, so you get a group that was like, hey, yeah, I also want to go investigate those mountains. Um, you get a dungeon master involved, and then that, uh, you guys set up a session time, and then they go explore the mountains. Um, so that's kind of the background of West Marches. Um, and then for us specifically, the background for the uh, player prior was just kind of like the background of the lore of the setting, and then just kind of our rules um, about how it was going to be slightly different um, as far as like um, just kind of setting the guidelines of like town is safe. Everything outside of town is where all the fun stuff happens. Um, so you're always going to want to go out and explore. Um, and then that goes through all the same kind of things that you talked about for West Marches. Um, and then just some guidelines of like no PvP between players. Um, and then just some story stuff of like, hey, there's a mayor that ask, uh, will ask you to do things. And then there's also like an adventuring guild that will give you quests as well. Um, and then just kind of lets the players tie into the world. Um, and then the primer itself just finishes off with some character creation guidelines. Um, now, if we're talking about the. FAQs, that's just more of like the technical answer to things about like our World Anvil site to for world building stuff and where we'll eventually put um, scribe notes on. Um, so scribes are basically how a group is going to guarantee that they share the information that they found or um, just kind of give their own in-character um, response. And it kind of helps build the world up if you have like you know if cj is a barbarian and uh you know has writes it in character it helps build the world lore of like oh, okay his character actually went to this place and explored and fought these you know uh giant ogres or whatever um 
and that kind of reinforces other players to also be invested in the world and it just kind of snowballs from there so that's what the scribe rule kind of entails um and then just uh going back here um just like how to schedule picking your scribe getting dm time um and then just our rules for video audio and the kind of things that we would give people warnings and stuff for um and that's the gist of what the those documents were for is like a basically a starter's guide for players yeah ideally you should be able to look at um the the primer at least and be be situated well enough um assuming you have even a passing familiarity with the the, the player's handbook um be situated well enough to make a character that would make sense in the world right um, um that's kind of the kind of the whole thing and know how to interact with us as dms um and that's some of the expectations and then the faq again is more um is more uh, is exactly as he said the the technical bits of you know okay well how do i log into this thing how do i get this to work how do i do this you know how do i pull the levers of play basically right um and um yeah so once you've got those two things uh, underway um you, you should be good you should be able to just roll with uh with the rest of the with the rest of the people that are playing awesome so basically, because um, not everybody who's listening to this podcast may be part of the CPR Discord right now, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if they, if they want to participate uh, in this, um, I, I'm going to call it a campaign. I don't know if, uh, if that's what it is or <laughs> if it's something. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, so if anybody want, who wants to participate in the campaign, uh the rules are basically they do have to be part of the CPR Discord, correct? For now, um, no. <laughs> okay. Well, well, yes, but no. Yes. <laughs> they have to join the CPR Discord, but um, the way that we've got things set up now, and I we have fairly thoroughly tested it. Me and Blue went through it the one day, roll by roll. Hi. 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 Yeah. Hi. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Every single channel, because it was all over the place. But anyways, when you join the server, you're you're uh, directed to the rules, and when you click on that and go there, there's this little uh, you know, me six has this little thing that says once you've read the rules, click on, and we have you know our hug flora uh, emoji or reaction whatever below to accept and have the veil torn that hides our dimension from your mortal eyes, which, which gives you access to the CPR portion of Discord. Um, when you first come in, you have access to the door, which is, you know, the door. And then there's general chat, so if you're having issues or, you know, that way you can at least see something. I, I'm not a fan of when you join a Discord server and literally all you see is this wall that says, click this or go away, you know? It's just, no. Uh, you also see uh, the rules, which you can click and react and, you know, get access to literally everything. Now, there is also a second reaction that says below. If you're here to participate in the West March's Dungeons & Dragons group, or you're interested in it, click the D20 below. Now, if you click that, it adds, if you click the Hug Flora for CPR, it adds the member role, allowing you to see all the CPR stuff. If you click instead the D20, it adds the player role to you, at which point you will only see those first three channels, which is the door, the rules, and general. And uh, once players is 
player roles established, and then you see almost all the West Marches stuff. Obviously, we have the DM chat, and the West Marches mod chat is locked to, you know, those particular oh, roles. Yeah. Uh, now, you can react to both and see all the things, again, excluding, right. you know, a few of the admin and moderation channels and et cetera. So it, that's why I said at the beginning of the podcast, we sort of split the CPR server into yep. virtually, but that's that's entirely your choice. So if somebody has no interest whatsoever in the West Marches campaign, they don't have to, well, what's this always lit up down here? Why am I getting notifications yep. for blah, blah, or vice versa? If they're just here for the campaign, they don't want to deal with the 1,204 channels of CPR. <laughs> they can just <laughs> ignore all that, too. Yeah. It just, it, it's a clean, I think it's clean. Anyways. Makes sense. Yeah, no, it's a good way to do it. I just wasn't sure if we uh, were right now. I know that the, there was plans to invite other um, communities in to join us, but we wanted to get things off the ground. I wasn't sure if we were making it that you had to be a part of CPR while we get things off the ground to to actually participate. Well, it, 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 there is not a hard and fast rule about you must be a member of whatever. Like, uh, right. I don't have any patience to that crap. But um, the, the just the functional reality is you need to if you're going to participate, you need to sign up for sessions, and all the session signups right now are happening on CPR. So and Discord. Uh, yeah, yeah, in the Discord channel, so it, it's you, you got to be here to do the thing, right? So it's not so much that you know you've got to be a member or whatever. Uh, you, right. It's just this is where it's happening, right? So, so, so essentially, be they, here and you're you're good, right? Yeah. So essentially, uh, if they want to play, uh, they have to come to the C- uh, cross-platform Renegade uh, Discord, which we will link in the show notes. Uh, and all they have to do is in the rules, read the rules, and click on the D20, and all they'll see is anything pertaining to the West Marshes. If they are interested in getting more information about our CPR um, group, uh, gaming group, then they can also uh, click on the um, uh, other reaction uh, to get access to both. But Exactly. Yeah, okay. And just like you said, it's it's not a hard and fast, yeah, you have to be a member here to see anything. It's a, hey, you're welcome to do this, or, you know, you're welcome to jump in CPR with us and, you know, see all the things and do all the talking and games. <laughs> and, uh, Keys, I know you told me uh, this already uh, because you knew that I was going to have my, uh, or that I was looking at something for my nephew to do, um, but just for those listening, I know the answer already, but... Uh, did you want to explain, uh, A, what our, pref- I don't know if it's preferred age, but the age that we we want would like uh, the players to be uh, over, and if they're under that age, uh, what the process is for them to join? So the general guidelines is no matter what age, I mean, no matter what age you are, it's kind of up to the group about whether you get to stay or not anyway. Um, but specifically for underage um it's kind of uh a strange topic just because you know it's the internet um but our rules are the general guideline is you have to be older than 15 but you know if a 17 year old comes in here and you know acts crazy then we're still not going to let them play i mean that's the the reality of this situation is like you kind of have to um 
deal with each person on a case by case basis. Um, and uh, they're kind of held to the same standards as an adult. There's nothing wrong with joking around and stuff like that, but um, they are, you know, general guidelines of like respect and not not being crazy, I guess. <laughs> um, but the general rules are older than 15. Um, the suggestion um, in general is that for underage specifically and not having a webcam, um, but obviously voice is mandatory um, for everyone. Um, and then the whoever is underage will basically join with their sponsor. And the sponsor doesn't necessarily have to be their parents, but preferably somebody they're related to and not just like, hey, I met this kid at a game store who thinks this might be cool. <laughs> um, so uh, basically have some kind of relation uh, to that underage person and then um, that person's basically going to be your sponsor and completely responsible for you and then because um, you are underage uh, the guideline is that they will always adventure with their sponsor so uh, they will always have their adult with them when they have in you know in game yep. sessions interactions um, just uh, kind of to protect everybody involved is like hey uh, like your sponsor is responsible for you, and yep. that's as much as we can kind of do on the internet. Um, yep. Now, does the sponsor have to actually have a character, or do they just have to be present uh, alongside their their minor? So the the guideline is that they are also playing. Okay. So their sponsor is somebody who is also invested in the campaign, uh, yep. and then Fair also enough. playing along with them because you know. Somebody could have their parent come on there and be like, oh, yeah, it's fine. You can play. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to stay or, like, have right. any interest or, like, any control whatsoever. So, yep, that makes sense. All right. You want them invested in it. Just so that they also know what's going on. Like, you know, if somebody's playing a game next to you, you don't necessarily pay attention to everything that's happening. So, true. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. So, those are the the guidelines we kind of discussed and put forward for that age group. Yeah, that makes sense. So something else I kind of wanted to touch on, since you guys are hopeful for playing, you guys may have got this done yet, maybe not, don't know. Um, but you guys want to introduce your characters, you know, name, uh, race, class, maybe a touch of background. Are you speaking to Keys and Dr. Estrella, <laughs> or everybody. are you are you speaking to oh, everybody? Um, everybody. Uh, I can speak on mine in a moment as I bring my character information up because I forget. <laughs> but I hear um, shuffling paper, so. <laughs> yeah. No, I got yeah. I got my uh, stuff up, but uh, I don't know, Keys and Dr. Estrella, have you guys created? characters with the i i know you said you were planning on playing have you guys already created your plan Absolutely characters for this? not no <laughs> <laughs> i figured you guys were focusing mostly on the dm stuff and the whole organizing because yeah. i know I, I i've seen the conversations and everything going on i know there's been um a lot of behind the scenes work put into this so um so so that i don't leave people hanging wondering what kind of characters we'll play 
Um, so I'm playing a uh, dwarf uh, barbarian named Umram Irongard. Um, haven't written a background story yet. Uh, I probably will get around to it, but I'm uh, basically going to be a chaotic neutral um, fighting uh, dual axe. I do have a two-handed axe as well, um, so I'll be switching between both of those. Um, but uh, doing barbarian things, uh, not I'm going to react before I uh, <laughs> think things through. So there might be unnecessary slaughter of things, but that'll be part of the uh, chaos fun uh, that makes <laughs> a chaotic cre- uh, character. So I'm looking forward to it. I really wanted to do like a dwarf accent like that you see in in, in those, but I just, yeah, I'm not going to even try it. I'll, I'll make it look or sound horrible. So um, I'm going to play the character, but using my normal voice because that's all I can do. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to playing it out and seeing how much chaos reigns. Um, I know our first game, I'm signed up with Beaktron and Wet Poodle. And I think I heard a little bit of um, that Wet Poodle was going to use one of his characters that he played in a one-shot that when Emetai was streaming her charity stream, he's bringing that character back. Uh, uh, what was the keys? Do you remember the, his character's name? Uh Butter tw- twig butter. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, dumb, man. Uncle, <laughs> Hold on, Uncle, I looked up. Uncle, but- Uncle butter something. Uh, Uncle yeah. buttershins. Yeah, Uncle buttershins. Uh, but I guess twig the, fungal knucker. Yeah, yeah, twig fungal knucker. Yeah. Um. So he's gonna, I think, um, add some humor. He did, I know, for Matai's <laughs> uh, one shot that she did for charity. So yeah, he. Um, uh... He's a wild magic sorcerer, so... Uh, but we're going to play by the rules this time, so... He's oh, so he won't, be able, to, he won't be able to pull those wild cards? Yeah, he, he won't be able to pull the wild cards this time? Well, he can, but it's, uh, like, the actual wild magic sorcerer is a 1 in 20 chance, whereas just for the one shot, it was a 1 in, like, flip of a coin, whether it happened flip or not. Coin. Right, right, okay. Yeah, but... Uh, so it should be interesting. I didn't really get an idea of... Uh, what Beaktron is playing, and I believe Emetai is signed up with us as well, so I, I don't know. Uh, Emetai just created her character last night, I believe. She said yep. it's Rogue, correct? Uh, yes. So that'll be uh, interesting. I know she she was uh, wondering how she's going to do with the uh, two, uh, two Chaos players, but <laughs> uh, should, should make for an interesting uh, run on uh, tomorrow night anyways, for sure. Yeah, and then Beatron's playing a uh, sailor monk. That's right. <laughs> I read about that too. So that's like the should male be fun. Sailor Moon, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sailor Monk. <laughs> yeah, so it should be interesting. Uh, and I think Buns said that because I was like, we need a healer. Our group doesn't have a healer. <laughs> we have a lot of DPS, no real tanking because I my um, barbarian is not wearing armor. He's gone with the uh, the skill that allows him to get his armor uh, 
what is the what uh, you guys are probably know it better than me what is unarmored the defense is what unarmored defense that's it so i have unarmored defense uh that allows me not to wear armor so i'm not really too tanky um i think my armor rating is only like 13 i don't remember i don't i, I could bring it up but i'm not i'm too lazy <laughs> uh but yeah i think i'm gonna bring it up now I'm, I'm trying to remember and it's not clicking so but yeah i'm gonna be armorless so i'm uh gonna be wondering how we're gonna do as far as a, a, a tank and a no tank and no healer but i it sounds like we might have now a um healer coming a cleric coming because wet poodle said one of his friends is joining so well uh it's easy to think, okay, well, if you're thinking about a, a, a tabletop roleplay game, okay, there's these five or six people, and they're the characters, and that's just how it is, and this is the pool that we're pulling from. But one of the joys of OS Marshall's approach is that the pool is much larger than that, right? So we've got right. something like um, 15 or 16 characters uh, put together. And so um, just because um, you don't have a... Um, a tanky kind of character in a particular session doesn't mean that they right. exist. They're just not with you on that particular thing. Right. Yeah. And no, that's your play style, you know, might adjust as a result, right? Like there's, and I've never been a fan of the perfectly balanced party. I, I, I've always thought that that was kind of, I don't know, BS mostly. Um, so yeah, I think there is a certain play style that, that, leans on that of the sort of synergy of everybody having these you know various skills or whatever kind of coming together and then there's definitely other ways to play the game as well tactically at least um you know i think there's it is an entirely plausible way to play the game where like nope we're all wizards and that's just how it is right i've I've, I've played in a campaign where we were four wizards and it was literally the funnest time because we all specialized in something different but we nobody wanted to get hit so it was a constant like uh, battle of retreating like okay i'm gonna run this round and then he's gonna cast his spell and he's gonna run yeah (laughs) leapfrogging yeah basically (laughs) but that that, that's that's true you kind of gotta play to your group strengths no matter what the makeup of your party is and yeah, those group strengths will change wrong. from session to session, right? Right. Yeah, because we'll have different people each session, right? right. They're possi- possibly potentially, yeah. 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 So it's going to be interesting. I'm talking about just uh, tomorrow night's game. It's going to be definitely interesting, um, especially since I'm supposed to be this hothead that just runs into things and that doesn't think, oh, we don't have a healer. <laughs> so um, it's definitely going to be a different mindset for me because keys can. can uh, can uh, vouch for me to say that every character that I've played up till now, I've always been behind the scenes, uh, uh, hitting from afar, not not hitting or not being hit, so or trying not to be hit. So I remember uh, what was it two sessions ago where you had a, a a monologue to yourself at a discussion about whether you should close the door or not, so you wouldn't. You retreated into a guard room and decided you were trying to decide whether you would close the door and leave everybody out there or <laughs> to leave it open. <laughs> yeah, because oh, definitely a different place to Alf. Yeah, it's definitely going to be because all three of the characters I played, like the two one shot characters I played, I've been trying to play all the different uh, 
player handbook classes um, to see because I've never done this before. So I, I, I took those one shots as an opportunity to try different things. So, uh, yeah, I've been really enjoying playing the Ranger in our main campaign, but I had to try playing a wizard. Uh, I wanted to be um, uh, a necromancer uh, in the one uh campaign uh the one shot the charity one shot and that one was all right but i didn't really enjoy it as much maybe it was because emma didn't let me get to my third level and be able to raise skeletons i mean that's part of the game too is you have to be able to like enjoy playing your character no matter what level right. they are because i mean especially like in a west marches game people yeah. are going to end up as completely different levels um and the range is going to be a little you know bigger because like if Emetai gets to play, you know, two or three times a week and somebody else only gets to play once, you know, there's going to start being a level gap between you and right. you can't really be jealous of other people. Oh, how are you level three? Man, that's yeah. not fair. And yeah, then yeah. you just kind of have to be like, all right, well, this is my character. This is who I'm playing. This is where he's at. Like, you can be excited for the future, but not right. like you can't long for it because you, you, know, you might not make it to the end of the session. Right. There's no telling. <laughs> Yeah, but you know me, because yeah. I've got my uh, ranger already leveled. Yeah, I know. An Excel spreadsheet or uh, a Google sheet of all my future levels. I'm already. When you tell us to level up, I have everything ready for what it's going to be be next. But um, yeah, I'm not doing that with uh, this character as I go. I, I think this one, uh, my barbarian, will be easier to level up. Um, there won't be as much stuff to think about. So. I'm not going to plan as far as ahead with uh, the Barbarian, but uh, looking forward to playing the Barbarian for sure. I did enjoy playing the Druid uh, on the one shot we did uh, last weekend, but uh, I'll, I'll uh, I think, have fun with the Barbarian and playing a different way than I've played in every other <laughs> campaign that I played on. So, Well, and character death is definitely a reality in, in, a, in many West Marches games, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, there's kind of this old trope of like you know players being against DMs in some way, like players versus DMs, and that, that's never been how I've seen it. Mm -hmm. um, at, at most, it's a or at worst, I guess I should say it's like a more like a a referee kind of uh, relationship, um, which harkens back to sort of the early days of D and D. Um, where they originally were called referees, uh, not so much DMs, right? So, um, you know, it, it's it's entirely plausible that that a group will bite off more than they can chew, or a player will um, make really um, unfortunate choices, and their character might die. We might have characters die this weekend. It's entirely awesome. plausible. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. Okay. Uh, I, at least, am not going to go out of my way to keep that from happening. Um, I'm not going to push it to happen either. Uh, sort of take the sort of a neutral, just, you know, I'm here, you know, tell, you know, running the game. Um, and hopefully people will, will, there will be enough um, consistency between the DMs. Uh, in between the individual sessions, and we'll be signaling the the threats that are out there enough that that players can get a sense of oh well maybe we shouldn't mess with that yeah. uh, maybe this is a little more speed. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we DM very similar in that like we're not like 
we're not antagonists or like the you know evil portion yeah. we are literally just like conduits we are impartial judges of the world like we tell you what's here and it's up to you to decide how you're going to react to it or how you think your character would react to it and, and i think that's kind of a interesting separation and one of the things um west marches and old school gaming kind of has is like just because your character might be dumb enough to do something if you know it's not the right choice maybe your character has a second thought about it too right so like being able to use your intelligence as a player to make a correct choice not just because your character you know would right. make a different one um and i think that's that's especially true in in this kind of style of gaming of yeah. uh you're exploring a whole new world it's not like it's it's not about like overarching stories or anything it's like you're in a dangerous world you kind of have to take it one step at a time and and, and you kind of impart that on your on the player characters of like it's dangerous like you could walk into the wrong place and everybody's gonna make new characters after the first hour that we're playing you know that could happen yeah <laughs> um, hopefully not but uh that's kind of the danger of uh, trying to it, it, play this style is like just imparting the dangers of the world and letting you guys yeah. react to them we, ju we just need somebody like Gektar's character who creates a hole for us to hide in when we nearly die to a dragon <laughs> it was very impressive i was very happy about it that the end of that session it was I, very I, smart i think you were a little concerned that we were gonna see a play uh, a whole team wipe on that one <laughs> i mean like i said i'm just trying to be impartial like that's oh, the, yeah that's kind of like how the there's two things there's like you put the information and then there's like the players have a choice in what happens and then luck has a choice like yeah. how the die falls is kind of another portion of like you know the will yeah. of the gods basically oh well, yeah it, it comes down really to the dice rolls right because if we uh have a bad night where we're rolling nat ones or not getting hits and you're rolling uh crits all, all night long then obviously I mean, I mean to some extent it comes down to the dice rolls but yeah. it, it's also down to the players to like if that's the kind of way the evening's going is to be more careful is right. to like to try and make the decision of like oh, okay like this is not going our way we should definitely stop running head first into every room you yeah. know so there's definitely yeah, a no. portion of the dice that reacts but yeah, no, and knowing when to call it quits, right? Knowing when to say, okay, either this thing is too big or the danger is too great or we're just having a terrible time of it. Boy, like right. we can't walk across the room without falling down. So maybe we should just Bail. head to the bar. Right? Yeah, call like, it for the day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just go down to the Winchester and let it all blow over. Right? At <laughs> right. some point, you, you know, you got to be able to assess the lay of the land. And sometimes that is just you know okay well it's just not happening yeah and <laughs> I, I think it was a good uh, experience for my players to fight that dragon just because they were so overmatched overpowered that it was good for them to be on the receiving end of getting you know thrashed and realizing <laughs> that hey uh, this is too much we need to get out um so i feel like that helped you guys just exp yeah. like understand the world a little bit more yeah a poor Morgana. One of those grounding <laughs> moments. <laughs> well, and and that 
that plays nicely into this West Marshall style of thing, right? That's an important yeah. lesson to learn because there will be places that and and circumstances that are that are not designed to be tackled by the you know caliber of characters who are walking in the door, right? Right. And and maybe that's not even your objective. Maybe your objective is just to scout out the place or to hey, we located this thing or you know whatever, not to clear out every single monster and kick open every single door. Right. Um, so uh, keeping that that separate, um, I, th- I think, is a that's 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 a good lesson to learn, not just mm-hmm. for role play games, but for anything. Yep. Well, I am definitely uh, looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow night because I got one of those spots. We should let uh, listeners know that each uh, well. The the idea is that they would uh, get a group of five together, right? And then they would contact one of you to see if you're available to uh, DM, or is it that you guys are going to have your schedules up similar to this weekend? And then they would just get their five together and then sign up for one of your time slots. How does that work? Uh, all the above and none of the above. So okay. Um, <laughs> so there's sort of two methods for sessions, sort of. Uh, getting underway uh the first is kind of what we're seeing here at the very beginning where keys and i and other dms as they come along will say hey you know i've got this story i want to tell i've got this session i want to run um here's a you know a real quick introduction to the uh, overview of the thing you know we're going to go and we're going to explore the haunted minds of hauntedness or whatever um and you know that's a good name we should write that down yeah, yeah, yeah. Take notes, take notes. Um, so, you know, uh, it'll be a, uh, a challenging fight, but there'll be some role play as well. There you go. And so uh, players will then, and, and this is the time that I'm going to run it, and so players will look at that and say, okay, well, I'm available, I'm not available, I'm not really into that kind of game, I'm super into that kind of session, whatever, they'll choose to sign up or not. And if it's uh, if the population for that is four plus or minus one, so three is minimum, and it's a hard minimum. If we get two, it's it's not going to run. Right. And five is a hard maximum. We get six. Nope, sorry, five. Um, uh, if 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 you get that three to five, then you you, you run the thing and uh, you get a great session and uh, sort of the the custom built stuff that the the. Uh, the DM, the storyteller was wanting to wanting to impart. That of course ties into the wider world. The other way to do it is all on the players. So the players decide, hey, you know, we, remember when we found that clue to about this haunted minds of hauntedness? Maybe we should go and check that out. And you round up however many players you want to go with, as long as it's between three and five. And uh, check in with the, the DM schedule, which we'll post, which reminds me, we haven't done that yet, but whatever. Um, uh, you'll be able to see, okay, well, you know, uh, there's a DM available on Thursday evening. Cool, let's approach them about Thursday evening. Yeah, sure, Thursday evening, let's do it. It gets posted, players sign up, and there may be more players than what you originally intended. Like, you may just have a couple friends that want to go with you, and there may be, you know, other people say, oh, yeah, Haunted Minds, let's, let's get on that. So you may end up with more than the original group that you were talking about, but again, never, never less than three, never more than five. And those are the two 
ways that this will go about. So DMs can say, hey, I'm going to run a session this time, and this is what I'm going to do. This is what the session is going to look like. Or more commonly, uh, after this first weekend of um, sort of a, a frenzy of games, is going to be players choosing their direction, uh, not only in terms of the game, but in terms of the scheduling for the game. And then, so, yeah, about four hours is the standard session guideline. Um, and there are, you know, the same thing, like plus plus or minus an hour, probably. Yeah. You can, like, if you have a DM that's free all Saturday for some reason and you guys want to run a six-hour straight game, that's totally possible, too. Um, and a lot of it's just, like the expectation of players grouping together, like you guys figuring out what you guys want to do, you guys putting your own group together, picking a scribe for your group, and then really just starting a discussion with the DMs about, oh, hey, you're available or not, or hey, we want to go here, when's a good time to do it? Um, that kind of thing. Um, it just kind of like takes the scheduling load completely out of our hands. So like, yep. we'll be like, hey, we're available. Um, you know, so it, it's also one of the addendums to that is like, if, you know, I have sessions, I could run sessions Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday during the day, Saturday in the evening and Sunday during the day. Those are my open availabilities, but it's kind of a first come first serve thing where like, if I limit myself to only running two or three sessions in a week, you know, if people start scheduling things, then that will cut down on my availability for that week, if that makes right. sense. Because yep. even though I'm available, uh, you know, you kind of have to, it's kind of got to be adjustable. Um, yeah, because you got real so. life to worry about too. <laughs> yep. So, and then that, that's, that kind of goes back to the player question you had of like, everybody's got other things going on and other responsibilities. There's no expectation for players to play X amount of times or like, anything like that um they just have to understand that they could very well be out leveled and not be able to go back to the group that they were with if everybody else that they were with um continued playing when they took a break or were not playing correct they'll be out leveled certainly but it's not that they couldn't go they couldn't potentially play with that same group again um we've we've got um we'll we'll be releasing this to the players as it becomes more relevant, but um, we've got this kind of level banding um, idea that that you know players characters will all kind of be within about five levels of each other. So um, as people are starting to move to six level, then um, you know the floor for levels for characters will also start to rise as well. And so even if you've if you've played the bare minimum of like one game, um, mm -hmm. and you come back later, months later however long we run this thing and you say, okay, well, I, you know, I want to play again. Your, your character may have advanced um, just by kind of being pulled along by um, the elevator going up, so to speak. Gotcha. So they could come back to being a level or having to prepare their character as a level six or something. If they're gone that long and everybody else is already in that bracket, correct? Is that the uh, idea? Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. Okay. Um, so that, that's good for, to what know. It's, for what it's worth, like uh, 
the elevator would have gone up pretty substantially for the floor to be at level six. But right. I mean, it, you know, cause it's a five, well, you said a five we may level we'll get there. Right? Yeah. yeah we may we'll get there. Game. Okay. That's cool. Um, I know we're uh, a little bit over time, uh, but Lumi, you haven't talked about your character, uh, quite yet. Um, do you, uh, if everybody has still a little bit of time to let Lumi talk about that and then we'll close off the, uh, podcast. Sure. Greetings. Allow me to make my introduction. I am Aristor Amakir, a half-elf sorcerer of Draconic heritage. You may call me Aristor if you so please. My mother, who is an elf, raised me in one of the larger elven cities. I have never met my father. I was apprenticed to an elf wizard for a span of five years before my sorcerer's abilities presented and, sadly, abruptly ended my apprenticeship. That time taught me to treasure knowledge and to seek to accumulate it, which has become a large facet of my personality as well as something of a goal in life. I am proficient in a few languages, including common, draconic, dwarvish, elvish, giant, and goblin. I will aid you in your endeavors so long as they are just. The only reward I seek is new information and enough coin to keep myself respectable. I actually had to... Uh, re-record this little bit. We were having issues with the bot, so it cut like the last five minutes of us talking. So there's that, uh, and we hope to catch you guys later. Thanks for listening.